0: Hare Krishna, <clears throat> my dear devotees, welcome back to the daily readings of Śrīla Prabhupāda's books, right here in the live studios, The Haven, which is located in Hive, Kent, Southeast England, just a stone's throw from the English Channel. We're happy to be uh, again blessed with the association of Dravidarāja Prabhu and uh, Nandu Kumar Prabhu and Gauri Radhika Devadasi. Um, we're here keeping trying to keep the atmosphere spiritualized with as many people as possible um, by hearing transcendental sound together and reflecting on it. This was Śrīla Prabhupāda's one of his last instructions to us. I was in the room by good fortune. Uh, Just go on discussing Śrīmad-Bhāgavatam among yourselves and everything will remain clear. And then when I got the last volume that he translated and commented on the Bhagavatam in 13th chapter you find that statement almost word for word. So we're very fortunate to be here and to be with the devotees who have a taste for hearing regularly Srila Prabhupada's books. And we hope that um, you all get the supreme benefit. Hare Krishna. Okay. <clears throat> Srimad Bhagavatam Mahimas Totra, written by Śrīla Sanātana Goswāmī uh, glorifies the Bhagavatam and explains what we're doing and why. It goes like this. sarva sastra yusha sarva vedaika Satpala Sarva-siddhānta-ratnāja drik prada O nectar from the ocean of all scriptures, singular fruit of all the Vedas, rich mind of the precious gems of all conclusive truths. You are the only giver of sight to all the worlds. Sarva-Bhagavata-prana Srimad-Bhagavata-prabho Kali ditya Sri Krishna-parivartita O life heir of all the Supreme Lord's devotees, O Master Srimad-Bhagavatam, You are the sun risen in the darkness of Kali. You are the exact image of Shri Krishna. varsak Sarvada Shri Krishnaya the me. I bow down to you, who were supremely blissful to read. Your every syllable pours down a flood of prema. You can always be served by everyone. You are Śrī Krishna himself. Madekabando Matsangin Madgudo Man Mahadana Manistadag Bhagya mat Anandana Mostute My only friend, my constant companion, my spiritual master, my great wealth, my savior, my good fortune, my source of ecstasy. I bow down to you. Asadu, sādhūta dāyīn, adini ni kara, kada, mām, kanta O bestower of saintliness to the unsaintly, O exalter of the most fallen, please never leave me. Always appear in my heart and my voice with pure love. Om namo, Om, namo Om, namo Om namo
1: bhagavate
0: vasudevaya. Om namo bhagavate vasudevaya. Om namo bhagavate vasudevaya. Om namo
2: bhagavate
0: vasudevaya. So we we reach ninth chapter of the fourth canto of Śrīmad-Bhāgavatam And Dhruva Maharaj is uh, praying to the Lord uh, and exhibiting His humility. We're starting with text 32. Since all the demigods who were situated in the higher planetary system will have to come down again. They are all envious of my being elevated to Vaikuntaloka by devotional service. These intolerant demigods have dissipated my intelligence and only for this reason could I not accept the genuine benediction of the instructions of sage Narada. Purport. As shown in many instances in the Vedic literature, when a person undergoes severe austerities, the demigods become very much perturbed because they are always afraid of losing their posts as predominating deities of the heavenly planets. It is known to them that their position in the higher planetary system is impermanent, as it is stated in the Bhagavad Gita. Ninth chapter, Chine Punye Marchalokam Vishanti. It is said in the Gita that after after exhausting the results of their pious activities, all the demigods who were inhabitants of the higher planetary system have to come back again to this earth. It is a fact that the demigods control the different activities. Of the limbs of our bodies, factually, we are not free in moving our eyelids. Everything is controlled by them. Dhruva Maharaja's conclusion is that these demigods, being envious of his superior position in devotional service, conspired against him to pollute his intelligence, and thus, although he was the disciple of a great Vaishnava, Nardamuni. He could not accept Narda's valid instructions. Now Dhruva Maharaj regret, regretted very much that he had neglected these instructions. Narda Muni had asked him, Why should you bother about insult or adoration from your stepmother? He, of course, said to Dhruva Maharaj that since Dhruva was only a child, what did he have to do with such insult or adoration? But Dhruva Maharaj was determined to achieve the benediction of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, and therefore Narda advised him to go back home for the time being, and in mature time, <coughs> he could try to practice devotional service. Dhruva Maharaj regretted that he had rejected the advice of Narda Muni and was adamant in asking him for something perishable namely revenge against his stepmother for her insult and possession of the kingdom of his father Dhruva maharaj regretted very much that he could not take seriously the instruction of his spiritual master and that his consciousness was thus contaminated still the lord is so merciful that due to Druva's execution of devotional service he offered Dhruva the ultimate Vaishnava goal text 33 Dhruva Maharaj lamented I was under the influence of the illusory energy being ignorant of the actual facts I was sleeping on her lap under a vision of duality I saw my brother as in my enemy and falsely I lamented within my heart thinking they are my enemies. PURPORT Real knowledge is revealed to a devotee only when he comes to the right conclusion about life by the grace of the Lord. Our creation of friends and enemies within this material world is something like dreaming at night. In dreams we create so many things out of various impressions in the subconscious mind, but all such creations are simply temporary and unreal. In the same way, although apparently we are awake in material life, because we have no information of the soul and the super-soul, we create many friends and enemies simply out of imagination. Śrīla Das Kaviraj Goswami says that within this material world or material consciousness good and bad are the same. The distinction between good and bad is simply a mental concoction. The actual fact is that all living entities are sons of God or byproducts of His marginal energy. Because of our being contaminated by the modes of material nature, we distinguish one spiritual spark from another. That is also another kind of dreaming. It is stated in the Bhagavad Gita that those who are actually learned do not make any distinction between a learned scholar, a brahmana, an elephant, a dog, and a chandala. They do not see in terms of the external body. Rather, they see the person as the spirit-soul. By higher understanding, one can know that the material body is nothing but a combination of the five material elements. In that sense also, the bodily construction of a human being and that of a demigod are one and the same. From the spiritual point of view, we are all spiritual sparks, parts and parcels of the Supreme Spirit, God, either materially or spiritually, we are basically one, but we make friends and enemies as dictated by the illusory energy. Dhruva Maharaj therefore said, daivim mayam upashritya. The cause of his bewilderment was his association with the illusory material energy. Text 34 It is very difficult to satisfy the Supreme Personality of Godhead. But in my case, although I have satisfied the Supersoul of the whole universe, I have prayed only for useless things. My activities were exactly like treatment given to a person who was already dead. Just see how unfortunate I am. For in spite of meeting the Supreme Lord, who can cut one's link to birth and death, I have prayed for the same connections again. PURPORT Sometimes it so happens that a devotee engaged in the loving service of the Lord desires some material benefit in exchange for for this service. This is not the proper way to discharge devotional service. Out of ignorance, of course, sometimes a devotee does so but Dhruva Maharaj regrets his personal behavior in this connection. Text 35 Because of my state of complete foolishness and paucity of pious activities, although the Lord offered me His personal service, I wanted material name, fame, and prosperity. My case is just like that of the poor man who, when he satisfied a great emperor who wanted to give him anything, he might ask, out of ignorance, asked only for for a few, few broken grains of husked rice. Purport. In this verse, the word swarajam, which means complete independence, is very significant. A conditioned soul does not know what complete independence is. Complete independence means situation in one's own constitutional position. The real independence of a living entity is to remain always dependent on the Supreme Lord, just like a child who plays in complete independence guided by his parents who watch over him. The independence of the conditioned soul does not mean to fight with the obstacles offered by maya but to surrender to Krishna. In the material world, everyone is trying to become completely independent simply by fighting against the obstacles offered by maya. This is called the struggle for existence. Real independence is to be reinstated in the service of the Lord. Anyone who goes to the Vaikuntha planets or Goloka Vrindavan planet is freely offering his service to the Lord. That is complete independence. Just contrary to this is material overlordship which we wrongly take to be independence. Many great political leaders have tried to establish independence. But due to such so-called independence, the people's dependence has only increased. The living entity cannot be happy trying to be independent in the material world. One has to surrender, therefore, unto the lotus feet of the Lord and engage in His original eternal service. Dhruva Maharaj regrets that he wanted material opulence and greater prosperity than that of his great-grandfather, Lord Brahmā. His begging from the Lord was like a poor man's asking a great emperor for a few grains of broken rice. The conclusion is that anyone who is engaged in the loving service of the Lord should never ask for material prosperity from the Lord. The awarding of material prosperity simply depends on the stringent rules and regulations of the external energy. Pure devotees ask the Lord only for the privilege of serving Him. This is our real independence. If we want anything else, it is a sign of our misfortune. Text 36 The great sage Maitreya continued, My dear Vidara, Persons like you who are pure devotees of the lotus feet of Mukunda the Supreme Personality of Godhead who can offer liberation and who are always attached to the honey of his lotus feet are always satisfied in serving the lotus feet of the Lord are always satisfied in serving at the lotus feet of the Lord in any condition of life such persons remain satisfied and thus they never ask the lord for material prosperity purport in the bhagavad gita the lord says that he is the supreme enjoyer the supreme proprietor of everything and anything within this creation and the supreme friend of everyone when one knows these these things perfectly he is always satisfied. The pure devotee never hankers after any kind of material prosperity. The karmis, however, or jnanis or yogis, endeavor always for their own personal happiness. Karmis work day and night to improve their economic condition. Jnanis undergo severe austerities in order to get liberation. And yogis also undergo severe austerities by practicing the yoga system for attainment of wonderful mystic powers a devotee however is not interested in such activities he does not want mystic powers or liberation or material prosperity he is satisfied in any condition of life as long as he is constantly engaged in the service of the Lord the Lord's feet are compared to the lotus, wherein there is saffron dust. A devotee is always engaged in drinking the honey from the lotus feet of the Lord. Unless one is freed from all material desires, he cannot actually taste the honey from the Lord's lotus feet. One has to discharge his devotional duties without being disturbed by the coming and going of material circumstances. This desirelessness for material prosperity is called nishkama. One should not mistakenly think that nishkama means giving up all desires. That is impossible. A living entity is eternally existent and he cannot give up desires. A living entity must have desires. That is the symptom of life. When there is a recommendation to become desireless, it is to be understood that this means that we should not desire anything for our sense gratification. For a devotee, this state of mind, nispriha, is the right position. Actually, every one of us already has an arrangement for our standard of material comforts. A devotee should always remain satisfied with the standard of comforts offered by the Lord, as stated in the Ishopanishad, Tena Takena Bunchita. This time this saves time for executing Krishna consciousness. Text thirty seven. When King Uttanapada heard that his son Dhruva was coming back home, as if coming back to life after death, he could not put his faith in this message, for he was doubtful of how it could happen. He considered himself the most wretched, and therefore he thought that it was not possible for him to attain such good fortune. Purport Dhruva Maharaj, a five-year-old boy, went to the forest for penance and austerity, and the king could not at all believe that a small boy of such a tender age could live in the forest. He was certain that Druva was dead. He therefore could not fix his faith in the message that Dhruva Maharaj was coming back home again. For him, this message said, that a dead man was coming back home and so he did not believe it. After Dhruva Maharaj's departure from home, King Uttanapada thought that he was the cause of Dhruva's leaving and thus he considered himself the most wretched. Therefore, even though it was possible that his son law That his lost son was coming back from the kingdom of death, he thought that since he was most sinful, it was not possible for him to be so fortunate to get his back to get back his lost son. Text thirty-eight. Although he could not believe the words of the messenger, he had full faith in the word of the great sage Narada. Thus, he was greatly overwhelmed by the news and he immediately offered the messenger a highly valuable necklace in great satisfaction. Texts 39 and 40 King Uthan, Then King Uttanapad, being very eager to see the face of his lost son, mounted a chariot drawn by excellent horses and bedecked with golden filigree, taking with him many learned brahmanas, all the elderly personalities of his family, his officers, his ministers, and his immediate friends, he immediately left the city. As he proceeded in his parade, there were auspicious sounds of conch shells, kettle drums, flutes, <clears throat> and the chanting of Vedic mantras to indicate all good fortune. Text 41 Both the queens of King Uttanapada, namely Suniti and Suruchi, along with his other son, Uttama appeared in the procession the queens were seated, seated on a palanquin PURPORT After the departure of Dhruva Maharaj from the palace the king was very afflicted but by the kind words of Saint Narada, he was partially satisfied he could understand the great fortune of his wife Suniti and the great misfortune of Queen Suruchi, for these facts were certainly very open in the palace. But still, when the news reached the palace that Druva Maharaj was returning, his mother Suniti, out of her great compassion and due to being the mother of a great Vaishnava, did not hesitate to take the other wife, Suruchi. And her son Uttama on the same palanquin. That was the greatness of Queen Suniti, the mother of the great Vaishnava, Dhruva Maharaj. Text 42 and 43. Upon seeing Dhruva Maharaj approaching, upon seeing Dhruva Maharaj approaching the neighborhood, the neighboring small forest, King Uttanapad with great haste, got down from his chariot. He had been very anxious for a, very, for a long time to see his son, Dhruva, and ther- therefore, with great love and affection, he went forward to embrace his long-lost boy. Breathing very heavily, the king embraced him with both arms. But Dhruva Maharaj was not the same as before. He was completely sac- sanctified by spiritual advancement due to having been touched by the lotus feet of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Text 44 Reunion with Dhruva Maharaj filled King Uttanapada's long-cherished desire. And for this reason he smelled Dhruva's head again and again and bathed him with torrents of very cold tears. Purport By nature's way, when a man cries... There may be two causes. When one cries in great happiness upon the fulfillment of some desire, the tears coming forth from the eyes are very cold and pleasing, whereas tears in times of distress are very hot. Text 45 Then Drava Maharaj, the foremost of all nobles, first of all offered his obeisances at the feet of his father, and was honored by his father with various questions. He then bowed his head at the feet of his two mothers. Purport. It may be questioned why Dhruva Maharaj offered his respect not only to his mother but also to his stepmother due to whose insults he had to leave home. The answer is that after achieving perfection by self-realization and seeing the Supreme Personality of Godhead face to face, Dhruva Maharaj was completely freed from all contamination of material desire. Feelings of insult or honor in this material world are never perceived by a devotee. Lord Chaitanya therefore says that one has to be humbler than the grass, and He recommends more tolerant than the tree. To execute devotional service. Dhruva Maharaj therefore had has in this verse been described as Sajjanagradi, he. the foremost of noble men. The pure devotee is the noblest of all, and he has no feelings of animosity towards anyone. Duality due to animosity is a creation of this material world. There is no such thing in the spiritual world which is the absolute reality. Text 46 Suruchi, the younger mother of Dhruva Maharaj, seeing that the innocent boy had fallen at her feet, immediately picked him up, embraced him with her hands and with tears of feeling She blessed him with the words, My dear boy, long may you live. Text 47 Unto one who has transcendental qualities due to friendly behavior with the Supreme Personality of Godhead, all living entities offer honor just as water automatically flows down by nature. Purport The question may be raised in this connection, why Suruchi, who was not at all favorably disposed towards Dhruva, blessed him, long may you live, which means that she she also desired good fortune for him. The answer is given in this verse. Since Dhruva Maharaj was blessed by the Lord, due to his transcendental qualities everyone was bound to offer Him all respects and benediction, just as water, by its nature, flows downward. A devotee of the Lord does not demand respect from anyone, but wherever He goes, He is honored by everyone throughout the whole world with all respect. Śrīnīvasa said that the six Goswamis of Vrindavan are respected throughout the entire universe, because a devotee, having pleased the Supreme Personality of Godhead, the source of all emanations, automatically pleases everyone, and thus everyone offers him respect. Text 48 The two brothers, Uttama and Dhruva Maharaj, also exchanged their tears. They were overwhelmed by the ecstasy of love and affection, and when they embraced one another, the hair on their bodies stood up text 49 Suniti the real mother of Durva Maharaj embraced the tender body of her son who was, who was, who was dearer to her than her own life and thus forgot all material grief for she was very pleased text 50 my dear Vidura, Suniti was the mother of a great hero. Her tears, together with the milk flowing from her breasts, wet the whole body of Dhruva Maharaj. This was a great, auspicious sign. Purport When de- deities are installed, they are washed with milk, yogurt and water. And this ceremony is called Abhishek. In this verse it has been especially mentioned that the tears which flowed down from the eyes of Suniti were all auspicious. This auspiciousness of the Abhishek ceremony performed by his beloved mother was an indication that in the very near future Dhruva Maharaj would be installed on the throne of his father. The history of Dhruva Maharaj's leaving home was that his father refused to give him a place on his lap. And Dhruva Maharaj determined that unless he got the throne of his father, he would not come back. Now this Abhishek ceremony performed by his beloved mother was an indication that he would occupy the throne of Maharaj Uttanapada. It is also significant in this verse that Suniti, mother of Dhruva Maharaj, is described as Virasu, a mother who produced a great hero. There are many heroes in the world, but there is no comparison to Dhruva Maharaj, who was not only a heroic emperor of this planet, but also a great devotee. A devotee is also a great hero because he conquers the influence of Maya. When Lord Chaitanya inquired from Ramananda Roy about the most famous man in the world, the latter replied, that anyone who is known as a great devotee of your Lord is to be accepted as the most famous. Text 51 The residents of the palace praised the Queen. Dear Queen, Your beloved son was lost a long time ago, and it is your good fortune that he has now come back. It appears, therefore, that your son will be able to protect you for a very long time and will put an end to all your material pangs Text 52 Dear Queen You must have worshipped the Supreme Personality of Godhead who delivers His devotees from the greatest danger Persons who constantly meditate upon Him surpass the course of birth and death This perfection is very difficult to achieve Dhruva Maharaj was the lost child of Queen Suniti but during his absence she always meditated upon the Supreme Personality of Godhead who was able to rescue his devotee from all dangers While Dhruva Maharaj was absent from his home not only did he undergo severe austerities in the forest of Madhuvan but at home also his mother prayed to the Supreme Lord for his safety and good fortune. In other words, the Lord was worshipped by both the mother and the son and both were able to achieve the supreme benediction from the Supreme Lord. The word sudurjayam, an adjective which indicates that no one can conquer death, is very significant. When Dhruva Maharaj was away from his home, his father thought that he was dead. Ordinarily, a king's son only five years old and away from home in the forest would certainly be supposed dead. But by the mercy of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, not only was he saved, but he was blessed with the highest perfection. Text 53. The sage Maitreya continued, My dear Vidra, when everyone was thus praising Dhruva Maharaj, the king was very happy and he had Dhruva and his brother seated on the back of a she-elephant. Thus he returned to his capital where he was praised by all classes of men. Text 54 The whole city was decorated with columns of banana trees containing bunches of fruits and flowers and betel nut trees with leaves and branches were seen here and there. There were also many gates set up which were structured to give the appearance of sharks. Purport Auspicious ceremonies with decorations of the green leaves of palms, coconut trees, betel nut trees and banana trees and fruits and flowers and leaves are an old-age custom in India. To receive his great son, Maharaj, King Uttanapad, arranged a good reception, and all the citizens, very enthusiastically, took part with great jubilation. Text 55 At each and every gate there were burning lamps, in big water pots decorated with differently colored cloth strings of pearls flower garlands and hanging mango leaves text 56 in the city in the capital city there were many palaces city gates and surrounding walls which were already very very beautiful and on this occasion all of them were decorated with golden ornaments the domes of the city palaces glittered, as did the domes of the beautiful airplanes which hovered over the city. Purport. Regarding the mention of airplanes here, it is suggested by Sri Mad, Vijayadwaj Tirta, that on this occasion the demigods from higher planetary systems also came in their airplanes to bestow their blessings on Druva Maharaj on his arrival at the capital of his father. It also appears that all the domes of the city palaces, as well as the pinnacles of the airplanes, were decorated with ornamental work in gold. And being reflected by the sunshine, they were all glittering. We can observe a specific distinction between Dhruva Maharaja's time and modern days. For the airplanes in those days were made of gold, whereas at present moment, airplanes are made of base aluminum. This just gives a hint of the opulence of Dhruva Maharaj's days and the poverty of modern times. Text 57. How many verses do we have in this chapter? 67. Okay, we won't go all the way. Text fifty-seven. All the quadrangles, lanes, and streets in the city, and the raised sitting places at the crossings, were thoroughly cleansed and sprinkled with sandalwood water, and and auspicious grains such as rice and barley, and flowers, fruits, and many other auspicious. Presentations were scattered all over the city. Text 59, 60, 58, 59. Thus, as Dhruva Maharaj passed on the road, from every place, from every place in the neighborhood, all the gentle household ladies assembled to see him. And out of maternal affection, they offered their blessings. Showering him With white mustard seed Barley Yogurt Water Newly grown grass Fruits And flowers In this way Dhruva Maharaj While hearing the pleasing songs Sung by the ladies Entered the palace Of his father Text 60 Dhruva Maharaj therefore Lived in his father's palace Which had walls bedecked with highly valuable jewels. His his affectionate father took particular care of him and he dwelled in that house just as the demigods live in their palaces in the higher planetary systems. Text 61 The bedding in the palace was as white as the foam of milk and was very soft. The bedsteads were made of ivory with embellishments of gold and the chairs, benches, and other sitting places and furniture were made of gold. Text 62 The palace of the king was surrounded by walls made of marble with many engravings made of valuable jewels like sapphires which depicted beautiful women with shining jewel lamps in their hands. Purport The description of King Uttanapada's palace depicts the state of affairs many hundreds and thousands of years ago, long before Srimad Bhagavatam was compiled. Since it is described that Maharaj Dhruva ruled for 36,000 years, he must have lived in the Satya Yuga when people lived for 100,000 years. The life durations in the four yugas are also mentioned. In the Vedic literature, in the Satya Yuga, people used to live for 100,000 years. In the Treta Yuga, people lived for 10,000 years. In Dwapara Yuga, they lived for 1,000 years. And in this age, Kali Yuga, people may live up to 100 years. With the progressive advancement of each new Yuga, the duration of human life is reduced by 90% from 100,000 to 10,000, from 10,000 to to 1,000, and from 1,000 to 100. It is said that Dhruva Maharaj was the great-grandson of Lord Brahma. This indicates that Dhruva Maharaj's time was in the Satya Yuga, in the beginning of of creation. During one day of Lord Brahma, as stated in the Bhagavad Gita, There are many Satya-yugas. According to the Vedic calculation, at the present moment, the 28th millennium is current. It can be calculated that Dhruva Maharaj lived many millions of years ago. But the description of the palace of Dhruva's father is so glorious that we cannot accept that advanced human civilization did not exist even 40 or 50,000 years ago. There were, there were walls like those in the palace of Maharaj Uttanapad. Even very recently, during the Mughal period, anyone who has seen the Red Fort in Delhi must have marked that the walls were made of marble and were once decorated with jewels. During the British period, all these jewels were taken away and dispatched to the British Museum. Oops. The concept of worldly opulence was formerly based mainly on natural resources such as jewels, marble, silk, ivory, gold and silver. The advancement of economic development was not based on big motor cars. Advancement of human civilization depends not on industrial enterprises but on possession of natural wealth and natural food which is all supplied by the Supreme Personality of Godhead so that we may save time for self-realization and success in the human form of body. Another aspect of this verse is that Dhruva Maharaj's father, Uttanapad, would very soon give up attachment for his palaces and would go to the forest for self-realization. From the description of Śrīmad-Bhāgavatam, therefore we can make a very thorough comparative study of modern civilization and the civilization of mankind and the other millenniums, Satya Yuga, Treta Yuga, and Dwapara Yuga. Take 63. Are there many more purports? Yes. There are. Mm Mm-hmm. Text 63 The king's residence was surrounded by gardens wherein there were varieties of trees brought from the heavenly planets. In those trees there were pairs of sweetly singing birds and almost mad bumblebees which made a very relishable buzzing sound. Purport In this verse the word Amara Drumahai with trees brought from the heavenly planets is very significant. The heavenly planets are known as Amaraloka, the planets where death is very much delayed because the people there live for 10,000 years according to the calculations of the demigods in which our six months are equal to one day. The demigods live in the heavenly planets for months, years and 10,000 years according to demigod time. And then again, after the results of their pious activities are exhausted, they fall down to this earth. These are the statements that can be collected from Vedic literature. As the people there live for 10,000 years, so also do the trees. Of course, they are here on this earth, there are many trees which live for 10,000 years. So what to speak of the trees On the heavenly planets. They must live for more than many tens of thousands of years. And sometimes, as practiced even now, some valuable trees are taken from one place to another. It is elsewhere stated that when Lord Krishna went to the heavenly planets with his wife, Satyabhama, he took a Parijata flower tree from heaven and brought it to the earth. There was a fight between Krishna and the demigods due to the parijata trees being taken from heaven to this planet. The parijata plant was planted in the palace of Lord Krishna which was occupied by Queen, Queen Satyabhama. The flower and fruit trees in the heavenly planets are superior for they are very pleasant and tasteful and it appears that in the palace of Maharaj There were many varieties of such trees. And we'll stop here. Hare Krishna. We're almost at 8.10. A little late, but relishable. So nice. So we'll start with text 64 tomorrow. And we will wait patiently for the reflections of the assembled devotees about what we've just read
1: Hare
0: Krishna Rati Manjari Yes, Rati Hare Krishna Jai Guru Maharaj Jai Rati Manjari
1: And from Gopakanya
0: Devi Dasi. Yes, Gopakanya Devi Dasi.
1: Jai Maharaj, Hare Krishna. All glories to Srila Prabhupada and Srimad Bhagavatam.
0: All glories to His Divine Grace, the Prabhupada. And all glories to the Bhagavad Purana, the Amala Purana. Supremely
1: pure. And from
0: Anandamurti Devi Dasi. Yes, Anandamurti Devi Dasi.
1: Dear Guru Maharaj and all the assembled devotees, please accept my humble obeisances, all glories to Sri the Prabhupada. Mm. Thank you so much for daily readings of Sri Prabhupada's books. Today I heard quote Anyone who goes to the Vaikuntha planets or Goloka Vrindavan planet is freely offering his service to the Lord. That is complete independence. Mm. Pure devotees ask the Lord only for the privilege of serving him. This is our real independence. If we want anything else, it is a sign of our misfortune. So only the chance to serve the Lord are the things which we want. Hare Krishna. Yesterday, Krishna book two and small book two during lunchtime.
0: Hare Krishna. Thank you very much for the report of your spiritual activity activities, glorious distribution of Prabhupada's books
1: Om Tatsat
0: Om tatsa. thanks a lot
1: and Sri says Hare Krishna
0: yes, Sri Hare Krishna to you and I want to comment on something that, that An- Anandamurti quoted uh, can you repeat it back a little bit to me
1: Anyone who goes to the Vaikuntha planets or Goloka Vrindavan planet is freely offering... Yes,
0: yes. So uh, the point being here that real independence means independence from the influence of the modes of material nature. And dependence, complete dependence on Krishna, loving service to Krishna and Krishna's mercy and those two are the same complete independence and complete dependence on the mercy of the Lord and devotional service of the Lord they're the same
2: is. Hare Krishna as in neither there is influence of three modes of material nature
0: no There's, there's, there's neither three modes of material nature in both, but one. uh, Yeah, they're equal. Complete dependence on Krishna means independence of the modes of nature.
2: It's like the coin with the two sides of the same coin. You cannot have one without the other. Yes. Hare Krishna. I, I also liked very much this point this point how Prabhupada uh, like turns this whole concept because generally we in material world we think independence means I do as I want. And then he just turns it completely upside down. That he explains <laughs> the real independence is full dependence on the Lord.
0: Because spiritual life is completely opposite to material life. It's completely different than material life. And that's why a gross materialist can't understand anything about the spiritual world.
2: You can't come to it through speculation.
0: And therefore they think that it's just a myth. Because they can't understand it, they think it must be a myth. For these are just mythological stories meant to entertain us.
2: I also liked uh, the that moment of suniti the glory of her how she could have acted in a different way, but she was so um i mean uh, graceful and generous and
0: yeah she was the uh, mother of a great soul and uh We'll see, in the coming days, we'll see how when Dhruva Maharaj went back to Godhead, he thought, oh, what about my mother? And then he turned around and looked, and there was another airplane carrying a mother with him back to Godhead. So she was a great soul also, the shikṣa guru, Bhartma Pradarshika guru of Dhruva Maharaj. Hare Krishna Dravita has something
1: Yesterday's reading reminded me of a question that I had for a very long time Hmm. In fact, this question dates back to 2008 when I first learned about a real guru-disciple relationship from the autobiography of a yogi Uh by Paramahansa Yogananda In the beginning of the story Dhruva Maharaj meets Narada Muni and he tells Dhruva to go home. And Dhruva decided not to do that, but proceed with his determination. When I read the story for the first time, I was surprised to see Sri the Prabhupada write that that was a proper thing for Dhruva to do, because Narada Muni was just testing him. The reason I was surprised is that I imagined that if I met Narada Muni, then I'd better do what he says, regardless of what I was planning to do beforehand. In other words, Narada Muni has priority. So the question is, how does a person understand whether he is getting good advice and is meant to exhibit obedience, or is being tested and is meant to exhibit determination? And how Dhruva Maharaj's determination is different from the offense of being disobedient to a saintly person? He's five years old.
0: Just imagine yourself as five years old. Just imagine yourself as five year old, determined enough to go to the forest by yourself. And then you'll understand there's no way to compare yourself to Juru Maharaj. (laughs) Or anyone else, for that matter to compare them to Dhruva Maharaj is unique you see our position that we take birth in is according to the modes of na- nature and in the very beginning of the universe people's modes of natures were much more clear than they are now today we're like you know not purebreds we're mutts you know crossbreeds from so many different angles of vision uh, and mm-hmm. so Acharya, born in the Satya Yoga in that time, this is the beginning of the Satya Yoga he was in pure passion even though he was only five years old he was in pure passion And therefore, his reaction was more or less understandable in those days. But on top of that, he was a great devotee. He was born a great devotee. So, you know, the spiritual master generally doesn't ask the disciple to do something that they can't do. As a matter of fact, sometimes a spiritual master won't ask a devotee to do something that he knows he won't do. Because that will mean offense. So that's the difference between refusing the order of a spiritual master out of uh, being tested and being you know, irreverent or or uh, rebellious. We can't imagine a five-year-old acting like that, except for Prahlad Maharaj. They're the only two five years old five-year-olds in the Bhagavatam that are acting like that. So in other words, you know, n- Narda knew. So, when he test- after he tested him and he saw that his determination, because he's only five years old, you know, who can think that a five-year-old could do something like that? Nobody. So when he saw Dhruva Maharaj's determination, then he gave him the right, the right instruction and he carried it out to the T perfectly without any hesitation, without any deviation. And he saw God in six months. So therefore, the, the wise thing to do is not to compare him to anybody else, or especially ourselves. Hare Krishna
1: This is from Subara
0: Yes, Subara
1: Hare Krishna Maharaj Please accept my humble obeisances and all glories to Sri the Prabhupada Thank you for your daily readings It is a pleasant reading today that Dhruva Maharaj is back home and how the residents in the kingdom have welcomed him Happier moments hmm. Daily readings, Key Jai
0: Jai Ho that's the nature
1: of the material world
0: and as devotees we have to learn how to tolerate the comings and goings of you know auspicious things and inauspicious things we don't we don't just tolerate the auspicious uh, inauspicious things the turmoil but we also have to uh, tolerate the good things that happen to us, are auspicious things, without getting carried away in a way that causes us to forget Krishna and our, the reason we're here and, you know, the purpose of human life. Hare Krishna.
1: Next is from Rathi Manjari.
0: Yes, Rathi.
1: Dear Guru Maharaj, please accept my respectful obeisances. All glories to Sri Prabhupada. What a lovely way to spend my evenings in the company of your good self, Sri Prabhupada, Srimad Bhagavatam, and sincere devotees. Thank you for keeping up the good work. Fascinating how this concept of complete independence of the modes of nature is equal to complete dependence on Krishna. I also noticed that in the listing of the ages people get to live in the different yugas, each each age is reduced in years by 90%, which is pretty amazing in itself. I reflected that in a sense it is Krishna's mercy (coughs) that in this difficult age of Kali we we only have to live a maximum of 100 years.
0: Yeah, therefore sometimes the demigods pray to take birth in Kali Yuga, at this time, especially after Krishna appeared, so that they can go back to home as quickly as possible. But we've been speaking recently more about the idea that the time spans, even though they seem very long to Krishna, it's not even a blink of an eye. The whole, the whole lifetime of Brahma is a blink of an eye for Krishna. It's, there's no way that we can understand that with our, like you said with, with our speculative reasoning no way therefore the only way you can actually understand the absolute truth is to, with purified heart to hear directly from these authorized sources I thought it was interesting how Prabhupada compared the opulence so many billions of years ago to what's going on now. And we're considering ourselves as advanced human civilization. <laughs> One of the lectures I first heard Prabhupada give in Los Angeles, he compared, he, he, well, he, com- he was laughing at the difference that now we're, we're, we're eat, eating on plastic plates and you know thinking that we're opulent. Lived, they they used to what you know, eat off gold plates, and if it was a baser metal, they'd throw it away. They wouldn't even use it twice. And also how he, it was described in the purports, how the natural resources are r-
2: real opulence. I outlined it, uh, he says, Advancement of human civilization depends not on industrial enterprises, but on possession of natural wealth and natural food, which is all supplied by the Supreme Personality Got it so that we may save time for self-realization and success in the human form of body.
0: Yes, and now what will we do? The next thing? We'll, we will fight over water. water is coming from the sky it won't come from the sky as much and later on in Kali Yuga now it's just sometimes too much and too, sometimes too, not enough But th- the day will come in Kali Yuga when there won't be any rain so now they'll, they'll fight more and more they'll fight over rain over water now they're fighting over oil it'll be soon fighting over water because they can't live without water the real opulence natural opulence ok, I'm overwhelmed again thank you so much Śrīmad-Bhāgavatam um, kī jāi brinda ki jai gaur premanandi hari hari bol. see you tomorrow night same time, same place same topic as the glories and adventures of Driba Maharaj continue. See you tomorrow night. Hare Krishna.